Good to see you all today. Glad you're here. I got up this morning, went outside a few minutes, and the field right north of me there in the houses is all white. And I was wondering where I was at for a few minutes. But I found out I was still in Florida. I think this is the coldest day of the year in uh, quite a while, from what I understand. But uh, I'm glad I'm inside right now. If you would, please turn your Bibles to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. I'll read just one verse there, verse 1. He that being often reproved, harden his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Right across the page, 20 verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 13. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name to give us, to let us have the Holy Spirit's wisdom to understand thy word. Bless us, we do pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. For some reason, I was sitting and studying last night, and I just got to thinking about my daddy and and when we lived on the farm and where I had my daddy, mom and grandpa and them all buried up there in West Florida, I preached their funeral. And I got to thinking about us when we was little boys. And we were talking just yesterday at a funeral service. Some of them talking about the age of all of us were. And uh, we were born before. And just a bit. When I was born on the farm, we didn't have a car in that part of the country. Oh, we had mule wagons. Now, they did have Model A's and Model T's back then, but uh, I never will forget the old mule. And uh, World War II, in 1944, uh, they come out there and confiscated all the mules that the farmers had to put them in the army. And they brought out the Mustangs, uh, some old Mustangs that got out of um, out west out there in the prairie. And they wanted those farmers, including my daddy, to break that thing and plow with him. And I will never forget uh, some of the scenes as I watched my daddy try to handle that Mustang. They put a, no, a ring in his nose and a big old handle, and they'd have to twist him to that nose to even get him to do anything. They put him down in a, a little chute like and tried to break him, and, and uh, we come in for dinner and looked out there, and he jumped over that thing standing on the outside with his head hanging over the other side. And my daddy tried every way in the world to break him, but he finally got him to plow. But uh, when I read this verse, I got to thinking about that. I want you to look at it again, if you would, please. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved, harden his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Now, in the Bible, there's some very terrible words of, war- words of warning. They're placed there by God himself, like red warning signals to those who are traveling on for eternity. And I believe Proverbs 29 verse 1 is one of those verses. And it makes you shiver when you read this verse. you got to remember that God is saying this, and he that being often reproved hardened his neck. Now, again, this verse tells 
of the certain and terrible judgment which will fall upon the man or woman who persistently and deliberately rejects God's love and grace. I love to preach and I have to go anywhere I get a chance to tell somebody about the Lord Jesus. But the terrible thing about that is if you sit on the Word of God, if you preach the Word of God to people and you watch their faces and you watch them to the response they have to the Word of God, you see some uh, that's broken under the Holy Spirit, under the Word of God, and they repent of their sins, they come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You watch others, and they harden their neck. I mean, just simply like the Bible says, it made me think of that old mule, or, harden his, or that old Mustang, or harden his neck, and, and just in defiance of somebody that's trying to handle him, and uh, just not going to have anything to do with God, no matter what. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now notice Proverbs 29 verse 1 begins with, He that being often reproved. Now, there are at least three things we can learn from this verse. Number one, how much God loves sinners. The love of God is indicated in the words being often reproved, which means in spite of many a warning. Uh, the word reproved is the same as the word used in John 16, verse 8. And when he has come, talking about the second coming of Christ, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, God so greatly loved men and women that he frequently reproves them. He tries to convince them of their need and danger, but God also reminds them of his love in the gracious provision which he has made for them in the gift of his Son. Notice now it is God who does the reproving, meaning that in the matter of our salvation it is God who takes the initiative, not man. Now, that's a wonderful thought when you think about it. God could have cast all of us and banished us into hell. But instead, He comes to us and seeks to bring us to Himself. And turn over with me and I'll show you a case of it I'm talking about. Remember Saul in the book of Acts? Turn over to the book of Acts chapter 9. And uh, look with me please. Beginning in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, where they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shineth round about him a light from heaven, and he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard to, for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Verse 9, uh, I mean verse 5, and uh, 
verse 4, I mean, where he says, Why uh, persecutest thou me? And he's talking about kicking against the pricks. In other words, he knew better, and he's going to do it anyhow. Now, God's grace is, though, that he took care of Paul, and he brought him to himself. Now, how does God reprove and warn men and women and boys and girls when it comes to their salvation? And I'm talking about warning now and reproving people. He does it, number one, through the life and example of pleading of a godly parent or a godly friend. How many of us, when you think about it, can remember the examples of a loving mother or a godly daddy or an earnest friend who was concerned for our salvation? I know that my daddy was not saved before I got, before I got saved. But I know one thing, he tried to teach me to do right, and he took us to church, and I've thought about that many a time. Uh, another thing that God uses, he does it through a preacher, or a Sunday school teacher. I remember a little boy, I got to lead the Lord in my first Sunday school class, and I think about that a great deal. I think about my pastor that led me to saving faith in Christ. I think of Brother Roloff that was preaching and pleading with me and not just for me, but to anybody who was under his voice that day to make a decision, and he offered us salvation in Christ Jesus. God does it sometimes by adopting drastic measures. Losing a loved one will often make a man face up to the solemn fact of, of eternity. God often reproves and speaks very loudly in times of sickness and business failures and personal loss. He might be someone is passing through a time, a trial, and God could be testing you. Now listen, is God reproving you so that you realize again your need for Him? You know what I realize every day of my life? I need God every day. I mean everything. And Lord, I really mean this. <clears throat> Whatever it takes for God to do in my life to make me closer to Him, I'd rather have it. I'd rather God do it. Amen? Because I want to stay close to Him. And that God has a way of getting you there. Turn over to Matthew chapter 21 with me just a minute. Matthew chapter 21. And I want to begin to read in verse 33, please. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a vine press in it and built a tower <clears throat> let it out to husband and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husband that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husband took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will in reverence my son. But when the husband saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on an inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord thereof the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbands? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbands, which shall render him the fruits of their season. Jesus said to them, Did he never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected the same as it come to the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doings, 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whosoever shall fall it will grind him to powder. I watch people all the time, and at verse 44 is a very important verse. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about anybody that comes up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he realizes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, brother, I want to tell you something. That's a powerful being. Amen? When you talk about Jesus Christ, and you turn away from Him. I was preaching one time, and I looked out. Uh, we, I have all kinds of services outside. It's amazing to me, but God has led me that way. I had a wedding I never will forget on horseback. Believe it or not, a cowboy. I got I ride my horse, and here comes the bride from one direction on a horse, and here comes the bridegroom on the other, and all of them come up there. And I sit on that horseback and had a wedding on a horseback. I, I think I've done it all when I get to thinking about it sometime. But I never will forget I was preaching one time, and I looked out in the audience around. They gathered there, and there's quite a few out there around the house and, and uh, sitting in chairs. And back in the back, there was a guy sitting out with a big old stogie cigar, about that long. And I mean, he was smoking, and just sitting back and smoking that old cigar and puffing it in his way. And, and, and I was preaching the best I could from the Word of God. I looked out at other people, and the Word of God was touching hearts. You could see him. You could see the Lord working on hearts all around. And I looked back there, and I that guy didn't have no idea or anything about God or anything else. All he was interested in was smoking that cigar. Right in the middle of God working with other people. And I looked at him, I said, what's it going to take? For God to reach somebody like that. And do you know what? You make fun of God and you ridicule God and you'll do all kind of things uh, that God wants to try to bring you through to Him. And one day, it'll be enough. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And God makes it very plain that He comes to us. I want you to turn there for just a minute and watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. <clears throat> But God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? You think about that. We're sinners. God comes to us. And we think about it. He loved us so much, He comes to us. Now, Proverbs 29 verse 1 tells us something else. How sinners treat God. He that being often reproved, harden his neck. That's how sinners treat God. The word hardness is not an action word, but an attitude. It's a process. The expression hardness of his neck is taken from the manner of which a rebellious animal, like an ox, uh, turned away from the yoke. So do men set their wills against God. God is gracious. God is long-suffering, slow to anger. I've said this a many times, and I, I really mean it from my heart. I was 26 years old when I got saved. And I thank God for all those 26 years God putting up with me. And yet, when I got to be 26 years old, He finally reached my heart and saved my soul. 
And I think about God was so gracious to let me live through that 26 years to get to Him. Lamentation 3, verse 33. God does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. You think about that for just a minute. God does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Now, yet many today are hardening their necks against God. One writer said this, To compromise with the devil so as to become case-hardened to the reproof of the earnest warnings of a loving God. That's what that word means when it says you harden your neck. This is a sin that seals a man's doom. The willful, knowing rejection of the grace of God and His offer of grace. John 5, verse 40. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Can you imagine that? Uh, Here's a problem. You take sides with the enemies of God and His Son. Turn over to Matthew. Back up now to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. I'll read one verse. Verse 30. Matthew 12 verse 30. And he that is not with me is against me. And he that getteth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, when you think about that for just a minute, when people gather together and they all have a choice, and yet Proverbs 29 and verse 1 said, there is some that will harden their neck against God. And the next thing I want you to see is the danger of resisting God. He that being often reproved hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Now what a remorse, what despair, what eternal regret are indicated here. Three things, very quickly. Judgment is certain. Notice the word shall. He that being often reproved, hardened his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The angels who rebelled in heaven in Genesis chapter 7, Pharaoh and his army in Exodus chapter 14, the rich man in Luke chapter 16, all of these were reproved and warned, but they refused God's admonition. Where are they today? In hell. Now you think about it just a minute. I was reading something yesterday, the grace of God. I'm going, I got my new Bible I've, I've been going through. I want to read it all the way through before I start using it to preach. And I, I, I was going through Genesis and I got to the place that God uh, built it, told Noah to build an ark to the saving of his household. And the Bible says that God told Noah to get in the ark and all the animals with him. And yet he didn't close the door to the ark till seven days later. I read that and I said, isn't that something? After all that God done, 120 years, Noah had been preaching, get in the ark, get saved, come to God. And they refused to do so. And yet, God told Noah and the animals and everything there to get in the ark, and he's going to bring a terrible thing on this earth, the flood. And yet he kept the door open for seven more days. That's perfect grace. He gave them seven more days to repent, and they didn't do it. 
And you think about this. When God shut the door, have you ever thought about that? He's still on dry ground now. He's still sitting out there on dry ground and He shut the door. Not rained yet. And all the people standing, you think about all the people going around that ark and looking at that thing and making fun of that thing and making fun of Noah and all of a sudden a drop of rain fall for the first time it's ever fell on the earth. And then all of a sudden they look up and say, what's that? And all of a sudden it starts pouring down rain. And then the water starts rising. And they all knock on the door and try to get in and, and hustle around trying to get in the ark. Too late. God's not going to open that door. Now listen. Judgment will be sudden. Suddenly be destroyed. Verse chapter of Proverbs 29 verse 1. God often works suddenly. Death is sudden. Luke 12 verse 20. Pentecost came suddenly in Acts chapter 2 verse 2. Jesus will return suddenly. Mark 13 verse 36. Judgment will come suddenly in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 3. Well, when I think about that, I think about a man I went to visit. He had cancer bed in the hospital. I said, sir, won't you receive Christ today? And he said, no, preacher, I want to get saved in your church now. I'm going to get out tomorrow, and I'll come to church Sunday, and I'll be in church Sunday, and I'll receive Christ. I want to get saved in your church. I said, that ain't the way it works, sir. And I begged him to accept Christ as a Savior. When I walked out of that room, and he refused the Lord, I called to see how he was doing. The next morning, he died that night. And what I'm trying to say, you might think you have all eternity. But God works suddenly when it comes to judgment. Judgment will be final. Proverbs 1, and I want to begin to read 9 verse 24. If you would please, just go back to Proverbs 29, and I want to begin to read in verse 24. Whosoever is partner with a thief hated his own soul. He heareth cursings, and bewraileth it not. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Many seek the ruler's favor. But every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. And an unjust man is abomination to the just. And he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Now, Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7, all these verses. You go back and read about Korah. You read about Abram. You read about Dothan. In Numbers chapter 16, Jezebel, chapter uh, Kings, Second Kings chapter 9, all these things teach that God suddenly destroys them. When they reject God and His commandments, God suddenly, the Bible said one time, He opened up the earth and swallowed the whole family and all His animals and everything He had to do with Him because He rejected God's commandments. You know what I do all the time? I warn people. I say, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him be your Savior. Let Him judge your life. And they just go on about their bed. i got plenty of time. i I, I got a long life ahead of me. I will one day. No, no. God judged suddenly. Amen? Now, three things. Very careful. I want you to watch it. You can never say that God does not love you and long for your salvation. Because of Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
God's no respecter of persons in. He'll save anybody to come to Him. But also, Proverbs 29, verse 1, He that being often reproved. The first part of that verse, being often. Isn't it somehow God deals with you often? And He just keeps on dealing with you? Number one, you can never say then, if you die and go to hell, that God did not love you. Yes, He did. You can never say you have not had a chance to be saved. In John 6, verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that something? The Bible says that anybody that will come to God, He will not cast them out. <laughs> Number three, if you die in your sin, you can never say you thought you would have another chance of being saved after death. Proverbs 11, verse 21. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. So you cannot say that you're going to get another chance after your death. Now I want to turn to John chapter 8 a minute. In John chapter 8. And I want to begin to read in verse 21. John 8, verse 21. Then said Jesus unto them again, I, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whether I go, you cannot come. And he says to them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. What that is simply saying is, if you stay in your sins, you die without the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have another chance. That's the end of it. What you, God gives us life, and I believe this, God gives each human being that comes in this world a space of time to live. And you know what it's for? to make up your mind where you're going to spend eternity. But God will deal with you and deal with you. And He has mercy and grace. And He wants you to come to Him. But if you keep right on rejecting Him, I mean, I'm not talking about just for salvation, but for everything else in the world. If God deals with you or something, brother, the best thing you can do is repent of it and get it out of your life and, and serve the Lord. Amen. That's the best place to live. Father, would you bless your people today, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.